Welcome to Creation Care Conversations. My name is Jenna Van Donseler, and I am the Connecticut Field Organizer for Young Evangelicals for Climate Action. And I'm Doug Clark. I'm a retired UCC pastor, and I am a volunteer trail manager with the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. We are really happy today to have as our guest, Annika Harley. Annika serves on the staff of Creation Justice Ministries in Washington, D.C. as the Policy and Outreach Associate or Policy and Program Associate. I've seen two different titles for your position. Um, my official position is Policy and Outreach Associate, but you know, either, either way is fine. <laughs> okay, Policy and Outreach Associate. So Annika, our first question is, um, could you just tell us a little bit about what Creation Justice Ministries is all about and what your work um, at Creation Justice Ministries involves? Yes, well, first of all, thank you both for having me. It's great to be here today. Um, so I will just give a brief breakdown of what Creation Justice Ministries does and who we are. So we are made up of 38 member denominations and communions, uh, ranging from historical peace churches to mainline Protestant to historically black churches to Orthodox churches. Um, and so based on the priorities of our members, we work to educate and equip uh, Christian denominations, communities, and communions to protect and restore God's creation. So we are right in the middle of a series right now of a climate resiliency series for coastal communities. So if you live on the coast, on a coast, or even if you don't, I recommend checking those out. Um, that's just an example of some of our, of our, our, of our educational opportunities. In the pre-COVID pre times, we would even have in-person educational opportunities as well, um, trainings on different topics that are relevant to a specific area. So for example, we've had some, we had one at the Boston Aquarium on ocean protection, um, and we've had some in other, we've had, we had one in West Virginia on um, oil and gas mapping. So that, that's pre-COVID though. So now everything <laughs> is virtual. Yeah. Uh, we also have advocacy opportunities, and that includes things like action alerts that we, we put out monthly um, and sometimes more often as needed. Uh, action opportunities, so we share opportunities from our partners and or our partner organizations and our member denominations. And we also have trainings, um, and so that an advocacy training. So sometimes, again, pre-COVID, we would have groups come to Washington, D.C. and lead, we'd lead a seminar on how do you have a congressional meeting? How do you talk to your representative about what is important to you um, and to your communion? Um, we can now do those virtually. Um, so they, they're still happening, just in a little bit of a different capacity. And then we also participate in things like sign-on letters, uh, letters to representatives on policies that we that are important to our uh, communities and denominations regarding protecting God's creation. That's really cool, Annika. Um, it sounds like a really great blend of local and national organizing. Um, and I'm, I'm curious if you can tell me a bit more about how you balance that. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking especially as someone who lives in Connecticut, which is a largely coastal community, and I'm focused on organizing within my state, while also recognizing like more national concerns of um, how, especially in this coming election of voting in my local election and also like thinking about national policy. 
Can you talk a little bit about what it's like to balance the local with the national and the global in your work? That is such a good question. And so oftentimes the policies we work on are national, but we do it on the priorities of local communities. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's kind of one level of what we do. And then also there's some more of the regional or local or maybe not organizing, but advocacy work that we do. And that involves talking to communities who are living living their experiences. Um, mm -hmm. As someone who is from Washington, D.C., I don't know what it's like to be living in California right now with right. wildfires. I need to talk to people who are actually experiencing that, for example. Um, so always getting, I mean, com community input is number one, um, regardless of if it's a national policy or something super local. Uh, so always talking to local leaders, communities, is, is always the most important step. Um, otherwise, among our staff, we, we kind of separate in our projects into different buckets, uh, which is really helpful for us to be able to kind of focus in on certain um, regions or certain issues. So for example, um, I do a lot of freshwater access organizing. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a resiliency intern right now who's working on climate resilience issues, especially on co in coastal communities. So, so by separating some issues out, which of course they're all connected, um, but we're, we're able to kind of get a more regional perspective on certain things. That's really great. Um, I'm going to pivot a little bit with my next question. So here on our podcast, Creation Care Conversations, we're really interested in the ways in which our personal experiences and our faith impact our commitment to climate work. Um, Doug and I, on our first episode, shared what we call our climate testimonies. Some people refer to this as like a climate story or like uh, an action call, something like that. And I was wondering if you would be willing to share with our listeners your climate testimony. So why are you called to this work and what keeps you going throughout this work? I would say it's, it's been a series of different um, events in my life that have made climate and environmental justice so important to me and uh, something I would like, I, I work in and want to continue working in. Uh, so I think my earliest memory of thinking about climate and environment was just being the feeling of disgust, seeing mm -hmm. cars idling in front of my school or seeing people throwing away things that were like throwing away food that was still you know, edible and um, not you know, just from lunches or throwing things away that really should have been composted or recycled. And just kind of that feeling of disgust mm. was the, was my starting point. And then I took a turn to learning more about what is climate change and what are, what's causing, yeah, what's causing climate change and what does that mean for us? Uh, so, uh, I'm originally from Madison, Wisconsin, and I really enjoy snow sports, like skiing and sledding um, and ice skating. And one thing I started to notice over my child, through, throughout my childhood, especially towards my teenage years, was how we're getting less snow and less, um, less inches of snow pack. So things like skiing or sledding wasn't always an option because there wasn't enough snow. And that is and year by year having less and less snow 
was is a very clear indication that the climate is changing. So that from a very personal level, those are things that I started to notice. Um, as I got older, I started to better understand the justice elements involved with um, environmental and creation care and justice. So things like um, food, food apartheid, previously known as food deserts, but now known as food apartheid, learning about those, learning about access to fresh water, um, learning about the way, learning how public interest and how private company interests are often not the same, and how this is something I learned when I was uh, living in Quito, Ecuador, and I worked for a um, a law firm that was represent a representing a class action lawsuit, and it was represent the represent or the plaintiffs were um, were six six indigenous nations in Amazonian Ecuador who had had their water supply contaminated severely for years by a, a oil and gas company, and so that that experience of working there i did some i did tra i didn't do like direct in the amazon work my job was to do translations um english to spanish spanish to english communication with um north american organizations and universities um but that really taught me how the way that corporations often choose profit over people over the environment mm -hmm. and that opened my eyes to some more environmental justice issues like environmental racism and um, things like that. Yeah, I love, I love the your growing awareness of uh, environmental justice, um, and that's something that my denomination has been very concerned about. I mean, I think it was our a task force in the UCC a number of years ago that actually coined the phrase environmental racism. Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So that sort of leads into um, my question for you, um, Annika, and that is the Creation Justice Ministries has a lot of different member denominations with a lot of different theological perspectives, but does Christianity have a unique contribution to make to climate action in the 21st century? I definitely think so. Um, and I can, I guess I'll start out by answering that how it impacts me personally, um, which is I grew up uh, in Mennonite and still am Mennonite. And one of the core tenets of, or core values of Mennonites is only using what you need and, and being in community. And that has really impacted my life for, in the long run. Um, it has shown me that, that we need to only use what we need so that others may also use what they need. We can't have a world where, which we currently do, where some people have exorbitant amounts of wealth, uh, resources, land, etc., and others are living in poverty. So that led me into some climate related work um, from a theological point of view. And so then kind of pivoting back to your question, Doug, I, I think Christians have a particular role in ending the climate crisis right now. We come uh, from, you know, varying beliefs within the Christian tradition, the many Christian traditions. But one thing that I come back to is, and that we as Christians do come back to, is that 
earth is earth belongs to god it doesn't belong to us individually it is you know we're here right now our the next generation will have it next it is not our it is not ours it belongs to god and we are stewards of this earth we live in community and with other creatures i'm i often think back to I'm not going to be able to quote this perfectly, but in um, a story or from a story from Genesis about how God created all the creatures that swim all on the land, all those who fly, as well as people too. And it was all good. Like that is so important. It wasn't just, oh, God created humans and there you go. It was all, we're, we're all here together. There's not a hierarchy of us being so important that we can just kill off all of these other um, species for our own good. Um, and so I see Christians coming from a unique perspective of community as well um, as just the historical context that different denominations have had um, in social movements and in just other really important movements. Um, coming to mind first is the civil rights movement and what a big important role the church has played in or some denominations have played um, in civil rights so i think you know there's these are different there's different times and different movements but the church still has a very real and important role as well as Oftentimes we in our congregations, this is our community. This is our who we look up to and where we learn from. It's important to be hearing these messages from the pulpit and from our, from our fellow uh, community members. So with that, what resources can Creation Justice Ministries offer to local church pastors and congregations? that are interested in creation justice. So how can churches like bring these issues to the pulpit and to their communities, like you said? Okay, so a couple, a couple options. One is our educational resources. That is all on our website, creationjustice.org slash resources. Um, we have a backlog of all of our edu educational resources from years past that are still very relevant today. Um, we also have train or webinar training opportunities and hopefully one day again in-person training opportunities um, based on regional issues that we chatted about previously. Um, and then we also have 52 ways to care for creation bulletin inserts. So that's a tip each week to on a, a way to care for God's creation. So maybe some of these things are something you've already you're already doing. Maybe not. It could be new. So every week you have a new tip and they're um, timing appropriate with the calendar year as well, um, which is, is useful. And then we also have our action alerts that go out every week that can be participated in by congregations as a whole if they choose to do so. No, I think, I think um, it's really great what the variety of resources that you offer that, that, I've, that I've seen and um, obviously can't use them myself because I'm not serving at church. Um, my next question for you, Annika, is what's been the hardest thing for you in the past few months in terms of your own personal and, and, and professional life, um, you know, in, in this time of pandemic and climate crisis? It's sad to see when priorities are not focused on vulnerable communities, when priorities priorities are 
only focused on those who already have what they need, if not more. Um, I, I'd like to see more action towards caring for God's creation and people and the creatures of the earth. I don't want to see, like, I don't want to see more bailouts for corporations that don't need them. I want to see people being helped. Um, so it's been discouraging to see, to see how priorities have, or have shifted and to see how, you know, water being shut off for people who can't pay for it. Water is a gift from God and a human right. We, it's not ethical to shut someone's water off because they can't pay for it. So that kind of thing has been very discouraging. But on the upswing, I've seen a lot of really encouraging things too. It's great to see, uh, I mean, just meeting you guys today, there's, there's so many people who, who care and are working so hard to protect creation um, that I'm really encouraged by that. And whenever I meet people who are really working um, for that cause, I'm excited by it. And I want, and that, that really gives me hope. So if I'm feeling really drained, I'm like, Annika, just think about the others out there who are working for a similar cause as you. Um, and change has been made and change will continue being, being made. That's a great place for us to end. I think I was going to ask you what, what gives you hope and you, you sort of started talking there. So if you want to add a couple more words um, and close us out, that would be great. Sure. It's easy to get bogged down and I do all the time, but it is so important to, to recognize the successes where there are and to get excited for others doing similar work. Yeah. Well, thank you, Annika. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. This was a great conversation. Um, and to our listeners, check out Creation Justice Ministries website and they have a slew of resources available to you for your own creation justice work. Um, and yeah, hope you'll continue listening to Creation Care Conversations. Mm -hmm.